every single campus. If you love King Jesus, put your hands together for him. Honor him, praise him, glorify him, magnify him. We love you, King Jesus. Have your way today. Speak to us. Change what you need to change. Encourage what you need to encourage. Shift what you need to shift and do it for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You all can grab your seats. Hey, New Spring family, how you doing? 1115 gathering, and uh, it's such an honor and joy to be able to worship King Jesus with you. Uh, happy Veterans Day weekend. Now, we wanna just take a moment right now and acknowledge all of our veterans in the room. How many people are grateful that there are people who serve and sacrifice so that we can have freedom and opportunity? I know I was talking to Terry on the way in and talking about how she served as a nurse in the Navy and uh, in Granada, and I know there are so many people with similar stories to you, Terry, and we want to let you know that we think you're great. You're great because you serve. So how about one more time, just put your hands together for all the people who have served so well. We instinctively know that, don't we? We can intuitively feel it, that when you acknowledge someone who has served, you're seeing greatness before your very eyes. That's the reason we're doing this series called Be Last, because we, as a church, have a couple of annual rhythms, and one of our annual rhythms is this overflow season that we step into around Thanksgiving, Christmas time, where we give above and beyond our normal tithe and offering so that we can see kingdom ventures unfold and bloom all around the world. And this year, one of our major projects that we'll be giving to is the building of a permanent Aiken facility. Revival is happening down in Aiken, and we as a New Spring family wanna get behind that part of our family and see God do the miraculous. But for us to understand what greatness truly is, we have to lean into the greatest of all time, Jesus Christ, to get a right definition of what greatness truly is. Last week, Pastor Lee introduced this series and introduced the GOAT debate, the greatest of all time debate, and you all went wild. I was in the 9.15 service last week, and there was like a fight that nearly broke out in my row as the Jordan versus LeBron debate was brought forward. Two people who just saw things very differently and, and well and truly after the illustration was done, their conversation went on. You know why? Because here in America, we love a couple of things. We love our opinion, we love a good argument, and we love the concept of greatness. And you're in good company if you love the thought of greatness because Jesus loved greatness too. You understand that Jesus didn't come to earth, live a perfect life and die on your behalf and he was buried in a tomb to rise again so that you can live an ordinary, everyday, garden variety, mundane life. No, he came to give you life and a life more abundant. He wants you to experience greatness in your journey. He wants greatness to fill your days. He, he wants you to go through your life feeling that I am walking in something great that God has planned for me. He wants greatness in your marriages. He wants greatness in your work. He wants greatness as you serve him, doing whatever God has called you to serve him in. He wants you to live, come on, a great life. The only thing is you have to let him show you the path to greatness. And heads up, his path to greatness might be quite different 
to the path to greatness that some of y'all have been educated about in your upbringing. Time and time again, he made it clear. Greatness in the kingdom of God, true greatness this side of eternity, is not necessarily about coming first. It's not about dominating or domineering. It's not about pushing everyone to the side and you standing in the center. It's about being last. It's about serving first. Or like saying it this way, true greatness in the kingdom is about serving greatly. Jesus talked about it time and time again in the Bible. We're gonna specifically drill down into Matthew chapter 25 a little bit later on, but I wanna show you how all the way through the Bible, Jesus invited each and every single one of us out of an ordinary, everyday, boring life into a great existence. You see, in Mark chapter nine, he's walking down the street with his disciples and the disciples are arguing with one another. They're having a goat debate. Who is the greatest amongst us? Peter's putting himself forward. Hey, I'm the greatest because Jesus trusts the knife with me. Matthew's going, I'm the greatest. He trusts me with some money. Judas saying, I'm the greatest. They're all arguing about who the greatest is. Later on, Jesus asked them, hey, what were you all arguing about on the road? And they had to come clean. Yo, Jesus, we were talking about being great. And Jesus didn't discourage greatness. He just defined greatness. He said, you know what? If you want to be the greatest, be the last. If you want to be the greatest, serve. If you want to be the greatest, give of yourself so others can live. Later on in Matthew chapter 20, uh, James and John brought their mother into the conversation. If you read the story, it's kind of like James and John are playing on a sporting team and they feel like they're not getting enough playing time, so they bring the mother into the conversation to chat to coach Jesus. And they pull Jesus to the side and the mother speaks up and says, hey Jesus, my boys have given up a lot to be with you. So how about this? How about you guarantee them a position to your left and to your right in the kingdom of heaven? My boys have sacrificed greatly to be one of your crew. Can you put them in a position where they are recognized forevermore? Jesus smiles and says, you all don't understand that in the world being first, in the world dominating, in the world winning, in the world being the center of attention is great. In the kingdom of God, the greatest is the greatest servant. Fast forward to Luke chapter 22, right near the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. They're literally having the first ever communion, the last supper. Jesus is breaking the bread and pouring the cup and trying to point towards the greatest act a human being ever performed. Jesus Christ dying on a cross on our behalf, bloodied, beaten, bruised, broken, so that we could be mended and healed forever. And in the wake of this first communion, you know what happened right after the communion? An un another argument broke out. You know what the argument was about? Greatness again. I'm the greatest. I'm the first. And Jesus says, time out, guys. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. I want you to experience the greatest life. I want you to go to bed each night and have your head hit the pillow and be able to say, I'm living a great existence. But the path to greatness it's not about climbing to the top and pushing others down. The path to greatness 
is serving. And that's what he unpackages in this famous story in Matthew chapter 25. If you have your Bibles, would you go with me to Matthew 25? And for those who've been around church for a while, you'll recognize Matthew chapter 25 as a chapter where Jesus tells a couple of stories trying to unpack and explain the kingdom of heaven to people whose minds who have not grasped it yet. And here in Matthew chapter 25, he's trying to show people who didn't have an inclination to serve the power of serving and how serving greatly makes us great. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14 is the parable of the servants. Verse 14, the Bible says, again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who's, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have at least put my money on deposit with the bankers. There's a really good cash rate right now. It's just over 5%. You only have a little, little bit of spare cash. You put, you put it into a bank and you get 5% return. At least it would have, I would receive it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, what they have will be taken from them and throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is trying to let you know that you can live a great life. Jesus is trying to let you know he wants you to live a great life. He invites you into greatness. But he points the path to that greatness and he invites you to follow that bravely. And he's trying to explain to people how to actually live your life so that you will one day stand before King Jesus, give an account for your journey and hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. This story was placed here in Holy Writ to give us a pathway forward, some practical steps forward as we desire to serve greatly so that we can live 
greatly. So how do we become great servants so that we can walk in true kingdom greatness? Well, first and foremost, I want you to write this down if you're taking down notes. If you want to step into kingdom greatness through great serving, first and foremost, serve with urgency. Serve with urgency. Everyone say urgency. You, do it with some urgency. Say urgency. I love how it says there in verse 16 that the man who had received the five bags went out at once. He didn't wait. He instantly responded. He recognized that as a servant with a servant mindset, there wasn't time to kill. It was time to serve. If you want to become a great servant who embraces greatness, this side of eternity, serve with urgency. If you wait, you won't. If you do the math regarding, hey, what am I gonna get out of serving? You miss your opportunity to actually walk forward as a servant that lives a great life. Don't wait. That's the reason today, at the end of this gathering in every single atrium, we have so many kingdom projects that our local campuses partner with, and we know that God's gonna stir something in your heart today, and we don't want you to wait. We don't want you to get into your car and drive away and say, hey, that was a nice message, that was a nice talk, Dan's pants were a little baggy, but that's kind of his vibe, you know what I'm saying? We want you to walk away, but straight into an opportunity where you sign up to serve. Even in our atrium, I, I got to see so many beautiful people that I've connected with over the last couple of years with amazing kingdom ventures that we get to pour our hearts and our souls and our time and our resources into. Don't wait, because if you wait, you won't. If you wanna become a great servant, I know it sounds really deep and theological, just start serving every single morning. Just set your mind to serve it as you do it in your household, as you, as you do it in your workplace, as you do it in your neighborhood, I promise you, as you serve and you don't wait, when you compound those days together before you know it, you're walking in servanthood, walking in servanthood, come on, you're walking in greatness. It's a mindset. It's not a natural mindset. We have to be really deliberate. Just out of curiosity, how many of you all leave your thermostat, your HVAC to the same number all year long? How many of you all do that? Like he's like set it at 71 all year long. Hot, I don't do that. I turn off my HVAC every single night. And I turn it on in the morning and I set the temperature again. It's not an environmental issue, it's a cheap issue. I don't want, I don't, I don't need, I don't need warming throughout the night. That's why God invented the duvet. I, I don't need cooling at night. That's the reason God gave us fans. It, it, it kind of comes from my father. We had an HVAC unit growing up. My father never turned it on. Could be like 108 degrees. Dad, I'm sweltering here. We'll take your shirt off. <laughs> Suck on an ice cube. You know what I'm saying? That was my dad. Freezing cold. You know what I'm saying? I'm shivering. My fingers are turned blue. Put a jacket on. But I can't feel my feet. Put some socks on. I still can't feel my hands. Put some socks on your feet, on, on your hands. You know what I'm saying? That was my, that was my dad. So I've got a little bit of that energy going on, you know what I'm saying? But every single morning, I'll wake up, and if it's really cold, it's like 59, I went, I was, I'll set it like 62, just to take the edge off the cold, you know what I'm saying? 
If it's really, really hot, like 84 in the morning, I just want to bring it down to like into the 70s, you know what I'm saying? And you have to make a decision time and time again, come on, day after day, in every environment you're in, to set your mind to serve. Every single circle you find yourself in, set your mind to serve. And as you serve, what happens is over an extended period of time, you compound those days together, and before you know it, you're walking in greatness. Even beyond the projects we have in every single atrium, like next Saturday, November the 18th, we as a church community are going to engage in a 4SC serve day. Our family, our little family has a family calendar and that's one of the things that's in our family calendar. In bright yellow 4SC serve day, we will serve together. We're going to go into our community and our community is going to feel not only New Spring Church, but the hands and feet of Jesus. True greatness comes through making a decision to have a mindset to serve. Point number two, I want you to write this one down. It's really important. Not only do we have to serve with urgency, we have to remember that our resources, our time, our talent, our treasure, whatever God has apportioned to us, check this, was entrusted to you, not necessarily earned by you. All right, that's the reason the Bible says there in the 14th verse of Matthew 25, that again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who entrusted his wealth to his servants. If you wanna live greatly, serve greatly. If you wanna serve greatly, you gotta understand that everything that you have was not necessarily earned by you or owned by you and to be used for you. It was actually entrusted to you. Come on, you were blessed with it and a return is expected. Everything came from the master. Everything is to be used for the master because at the end of the day, everything returns to the master. So ask yourself this question honestly. Think about the resources you have. Think about the money in your pocket. How many people walk around with cash in their pocket? How many are cash kind of, I don't do it. My, my wife doesn't let me because I lose too much stuff. One of the secrets to my financial freedom is that since I was 21, my wife has given me $20 a week in pocket money. I've got to save it if I want to buy something. Just think about the money you have in your pocket, the money you have in your bank, Think about the investments that you have, the stuff that you own. And I want you to be really honest. When you look at what you have, is it something that you earned, that therefore you own, and therefore you can do whatever you want with it? I'm not trying to throw shade, I'm just trying to get you to be real. Because if that's how you feel, you will find it hard to ever use your resources as a great servant. Or you might sit in another category, Hey, whatever I have, come on, I was blessed with it. Yeah, I worked for it. Yes, technically I earned it, but God gave me the ability to work and to earn it. Come on, so I've been blessed with it. And because I've been blessed with it, technically I've been entrusted with it for a purpose of return. How do you see your resources? If you see your resources as something that you earned, you own, and you can do with it as you please, that is a very stressful notion indeed because your whole life rises and falls on your stressing and your straining and your striving. But if you can step into great servanthood and actually recognize that everything that God has given you was a blessing from him and for him, 
all of a sudden, all the pressure that you have regarding your resources gets alleviated because now it's a blessing that's entrusted and trusted for a return. So here's the million dollar question. Okay, Dan, that's a good point. How do I walk forward as a real servant who treats everything that I have as something that's been entrusted? I've never been told this before. In fact, I've been told time and time again, if I want it, I can work for it, and if I work for it, I can earn it, and if I earn it, I can have it. I've been told my entire life that life was about just getting stuff for yourself. I don't wanna live that life. I wanna live a free life that soars into the kingdom of God and that resonates throughout eternity. How do I do that? Well, for me and Krista, for so many years, the two main things that we do to make sure that our resources always stay entrusted and are never treated as earned is we tithe and we sow. Tithing is the giving of not only 10%, but the first 10%. That's the reason if you look at our bank accounts, the first movement every single month when my pay goes in is 10% gets sown into the kingdom of God. Technically, it's not generosity. It's just not stealing. And we trust the first 10%. Why the first 10%? Why can't I just live my whole month and give what's left over? Well, that's kind of called tipping, all right? Kind of, you have your month, whatever's kind of left over, how are you feel? No, no, I wanna give my first, not only because it's, it's giving glory to God, it also declares that everything that I have is His. When you give to Him first. Is, is there anyone here in this room who steals food from other people's plates when you go out to eat. Let's be real right now, point them out right now. I want you to shame them in the room right now. If you're one of those, I'm one of those people. There are times where I'll go out and eat and I won't even order. There have been times I've gone to Chipotle with some friends, I haven't even ordered, I've just eaten out of their bowls, you know what I'm saying? Remember the cheap thing? Now, here's the deal, I've gotta give you some insight into my brother Brad Cooper. Do you know my friend Brad Cooper our lead pastor is a germaphobe. If you touch his food, he can't eat it anymore. So what I do often when I go out with Brad, I'll let him start eating and I'll pick something off his plate and he'll push the whole thing away and it's mine. <laughs> but as much as a savage as I am, even I won't take something off his plate before he eats first. You know why? Because even as a savage as I am, I know it's his food and it's not mine. You see, when you give someone the first taste, that declares that portion is his or hers. And when you give God your first 10%, you are declaring for the rest of whatever you have, it's all yours. Is there anyone here in this room who can testify that God can do more through the 90% that he lets you hold on to than the 100% that you hold on to selfishly? Come on, I can testify to that. This ain't a giving talk, this ain't a generosity talk, this is a freedom talk to make sure that you live lives as great servants walking into greatness, treating your resources right. Not only do we tithe, we sow. That's the reason last week when we showed what we're going to do in Aiken, I got excited because I know that one day I'm gonna stand before King Jesus and I'm gonna have to give an account for what I did with the resources he trusted me with. And I don't wanna be the guy who stands before him and says, you know what, I know that you're a hard man and you harvest where you have not sown and you, you get stuff where you haven't scattered. So what I did was basically nothing. No, I wanna be the one who says, I was looking for kingdom opportunities time and time and time again. Last week when I heard about Aiken, I got excited. 
I don't know if you saw the renderings and the drawings. I saw seats that are gonna be filled with people in the Aiken and North Augusta area to hear the gospel, to experience church. I saw Kids Spring buildings. They're gonna be filled with young people getting Jesus, come on, on their level. I saw a half-court basketball court that I'm gonna go visit and work on my jump shot and connect with young people, you know what I'm saying? I saw a kingdom opportunity. I didn't wince, I didn't clinch, I got excited because I was introduced, come on, to a kingdom investment that will see a glorious eternal return. If you wanna live as a servant with resources entrusted, give the first 10% and seek opportunity to sow into something that will create a forever return. Can someone say a good amen to that? Thirdly and lastly, we have to learn how to serve as one who will give an account. If you wanna step into greater depths of service so that you can ascend to higher levels of greatness, you have to understand that the clock is ticking. If not now, when? If not you, who? You get this moment to step into servanthood. There is no time to wait and we will give an account for the way we used our lives. I love how there at the end of this story in Matthew chapter 25, verse 19, the Bible says, after a long time, the master came back, returned to the servants, check this out, and they settled accounts. I, I know that for a lot of people, they, they lean into the scriptures for some encouragement and just some oxygen and some hope. But you gotta understand, sometimes the scriptures cut. Sometimes the scriptures just get up into your business and, and make you feel real uncomfortable. That's a good thing. And that was the purpose of this scripture. That each and every single one of us are gonna stand before King Jesus one day and we'll have to give an account for our life. And he is not gonna be saying, well done, good and faithful business person. Or well done, good and faithful TikTok influencer. He ain't gonna say, hey, well done, good and faithful athlete. He ain't saying, hey, well done, good and faithful hunter who took some time each kind of, you know, just fall time to go into the woods and go mess with those innocent deer, just minding their own business, just chewing on stuff. And next thing they know, everything goes black. You know what I'm saying? It's, those are all great pursuits. Hey, but my life will not be weighed by the money I made, the people who recognize me, even the people who remember me. No, my life will be weighed by the way that I stepped into kingdom serving of others. And I don't know about you, but I wanna live my life for that moment where I hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And I want that for you. That's the church that we are. And that's the church that we're becoming. Great, because we serve. I get asked all the time because I invite people to church all the time. You should come to church. 
And for those who don't know what New Spring is, they go, what kind of church is New Spring? And I always say, I always try and mess with them because they're, they're expecting me to say like Baptist or Presbyterian. I always say, it's a great church. And I can say that with integrity because I know that as a church, we serve. I know that this morning you walked past someone in the parking lot who got here way before you did. Put on a bright yellow vest to get you to your spot. Someone opened a door for you. Someone poured some coffee for you. Someone took you to a seat. And that's in our DNA. That's the church we are. That's the great church we're becoming. I actually heard a really cool story recently from somebody that I was trying to get plugged into at church. I got introduced to this family through another family who goes to another campus, was letting me know that this family had moved from another state and would love to see them get connected to New Spring. And so I took them out for a lunch, I took the, the, the man out for lunch, and I, and I gave him the full court press. I said, New Spring's a great church. Seats are comfortable, air conditioning's strong. We've got a teaching team, multiple people bringing God's word. You don't get sick of anyone, you don't get bored with anyone, the jokes always feel fresh. You're gonna go to the Greenville campus. Greenville's amazing. It's, it's a brand new facility used in old materials. Bridget is out there, worship leading. Malik is there. There's stained glass windows. Like 400 year old stained glass. They're not even 400 years old. I said they were 400 years old. And I'm saying, and the sun comes through it. It's beautiful. Full court. This man calls me after the 11:15 service they visited that Sunday. His first words, we're in. I'm like, yes. Was it, the t- was it the teaching? Yeah, it was good, but nah. Okay, cool. <laughs> how, about, how about Kids Spring? Oh, we love Kids Spring, but that wasn't it. Like, what, what, what made you decide to join our community? He goes, well, we got there a little late, found the parking was really hard, so... We got into checking our kids into Kids Spring a little behind, and by the time we got into the building, the whole room was full. And the only seats that were available were were behind the sound desk, and we couldn't see a thing. So we were obviously flustered because we were running late, and we're sitting there, and me and my wife were having a little bit of an argument, sitting behind the sound desk, and two people at the end of the aisle saw us arguing, so came and gave us their seats, and they sat in our seats and sat behind the sound desk. And if that's the kind of church y'all are, we're in. And I want you to know that's who we are as a church. It's not about a preacher who preaches. It's not about songs that are sung. It's not about facilities that are welcome. No, no. We are a church at its core that wants to give and serve, knowing that as we give and serve, we step into true Jesus-defined greatness. Anybody with me? That's us. And I want that for your life, and I want that for your journey. So what's gonna happen is, right now on every single campus, we're gonna get our ministry teams to get to their positions. In a few moments' time, we're gonna serve you, as we're gonna pray with you, as we're going to worship God together, as we give, as we pray for people who are trying to find their way in life only to have found that Jesus has been looking for them. We're gonna serve you communion. And as you take communion this week, I want you to be reminded that we only get to do this because Jesus served us.
So on every single campus, can I invite you right now just to stand to your feet? In a few moments' time, we're going to have a campus leader come out and give you your next steps. But in the name of Jesus, I speak this out. Greatness for your lives. I don't know if there'll be people in a church ever debating whether or not you were the goat. But I do know for a fact, we'll all stand before King Jesus one time. And if we served like he served, he's gonna go, well done. Good and faithful servant. So Lord Jesus, what you started, complete. Holy Spirit, what you have stirred, settle in our souls. Let this be not just a word we hear on a Sunday morning, but action that unfolds come Monday afternoon. We love you. We trust you. We thank you for your invitation into greatness. Help us by your spirit. Step into it through serving. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.